Welcome to the Secret Lair Drive-In with your hosts, D-Dub and Stratosphere. The Secret Lair Drive-In is dedicated to bringing you the finest in B-movie entertainment news and reviews. And now, on with the show. You are listening to the sound of a completely new screen experience. A startling new kind of excitement. As 20th Century Fox plunges you into the most incredible adventure that man could ever achieve. To make a motion picture that crosses a new frontier may seem impossible today. Outer space. The depths of the sea. The bowels of the earth. The past. The future. All have been subjects for the camera. But now, a film called Fantastic Voyage has broken through in an unexpected direction to create an adventure of astonishing suspense and beauty. One of the miracles of the universe. Its vital new story sweeps down from the sky. Then, it drops the bottom out of the world you know and understand. As a beleaguered nation desperate for survival, launches a journey you can never erase from your memory. We need you for security purposes, Mr. Grant. They know they failed to kill Banish. Security thinks they'll try again, first chance they get. A woman has no place on a mission I of this kind. I insist on taking my technician. You'll take along who I assign. Don't tell me who I'm going to work with. Four men and a beautiful girl, off on a fantastic voyage, actually entering inside the human body, exploring an unknown universe, unknown dangers. They're tightening! I can't breathe! 24 seconds left. After that, you're in danger of attack. Come on, Doctor. It's sheer suicide for all of us. You are there with them, sharing a breakthrough in motion pictures. You thought it was too late to discover something entirely new on the screen. Fantastic Voyage will be a stunning experience. For you are going where no man or camera has ventured before. And when you come out, you may never look at yourself in the same way again.
Greetings, campers, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Secret Lair Drive-In. Fantastic. Fantastic. I am your host, your fearless leader, D-Dub. And across the table from me is my co-host and faithful acolyte, Stratosphere. Hi, kids. Well, before we get this train wreck started today, let's toss out our contact information. America's favorite game game show, Will He Remember? Um, this see, is what I like to call the deer in the headlights moment, folks. I believe it is uh, secretlairpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, and he got it. All you right. see, I gave him that little bit of a breather right there. Uh, and I'm minimal sleep, too. So, oh, yeah. there you go. Yep. Maybe I'm in the zone. That must be it. Well, you know, sometimes, what what is it we often say? Sometimes the worse the movies are, the better we but we don't have a terrible movie this no, time, do we? No, we have, I, I, and, I, and I know I I use this term way, way too often on this show, but this is a classic. If you don't like this movie, and I don't even care if I'm spoiling things, if you don't like this movie, there's just something wrong. Turn in your geek badge. That's right. And what would this masterpiece be? Well, this would be... 1966. The 1966 classic, all caps, and not even in quotes, uh, Fantastic Voyage with Stephen Boyd, Donald Pleasance, and at the age of 26, Raquel Welch. That's right. And in a wetsuit. Well, there's a c- couple of points during this movie about that, but we'll get to it. <laughs> okay. That came wow. out dirtier than I think you intended. but. <laughs> well, there's one point in the movie... No, I, I watched. There were two. Well. Okay, you know, now, now you're getting it. No. You see, well, <laughs> I'm punchy. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. It reminds me of a Shakespeare play I said once, or I saw once. I think it was on a school trip of all things. I was at that same one, but it, for uh, that was when I was being bussed. Well, this this was one of those things. We're sitting there and just watching it. I it was Twelfth Night, if I recall. Yeah, and I think you made the comment that who wrote this, Shakespeare or Benny Hill? Oh, because yeah. Because this, Sha- this was right after one of the characters pointed at another one's chest and said something like, you have me on two points, madam, or something <laughs> like that. Oh, yeah. Shakespeare's comedies. I, I, that's what actually uh, got my uh, daughter to be such a Shakespeare fan because I showed her some of the, some of like on YouTube, and she's just like, because she's a Three's Company fan. And she's like, this is just like Three's Company. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. But you see, they call it, they call it body. So body. That, that makes it more acceptable. And ribald. That's my uh, other favorite. Saucy. Saucy. Okay, well, anyway, the best place to start on these would be... The, the plot. plot. And a nifty little plot it is. Yes. The United States and the Soviet Union have both developed technology that can miniaturize matter by shrinking individual atoms but only for a limited amount of time depending on how small the item is miniaturized the scientist dr is it jan or jan i'm assuming jan. we'll just call him bennis yeah bennis uh working behind the iron curtain has figured out how to make the process work in the iron curtain i wonder if that rusts when they shower i don't know uh i'm just testing the limits of the punchiness folks Okay, so we have parameters. What, With the help of the CIA, he escapes to the West, but an attempted assassination leaves him comatose with a blood clot on his brain. 
Yep. To, to save, they, rammed, they rammed his car and he hit his head. Yeah. To save his life, Agent Charles Grant, pilot Captain Bill Owens, Dr. Michaels, Surgeon Dr. Peter Duval, and his lovely assistant Cora Peterson are placed aboard a specially designed submarine at the CMDF or Combined Miniature Deterrent Forces. Love that name. I always I, I keep meaning every time I go to a con to find one of those badges for my jacket. Or one did, of those did, does the one guy have it? I don't know if he does or not. It's just every time I get there, I want to get one of those and I want to get a shadow. Shadow from the uh, Gary Mart or Gary Anderson uh, UFO series. Oh, okay. I got one. I meant to tell you, I got one. Uh, it's um, Association of Time Lords. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So one of these days, I'm going to actually get a jacket to to put all these patches on. So the submarine named the Proteus is then miniaturized and injected into Venice. Yes, and I want to say that the sequence going into this is really really cool. I mean, considering you're looking at 66, I mean, they miniaturize it, they raise the zero module, then they bring in this thing that picks it up, then they back it off, they lower the module, they bring the module back up, and there's a giant hypodermic. Yeah. At which point they drop the Nautilus into the hypodermic with water, which I have to, we're going to come back to the thing about the water and all that and uh, when we get to toward the end of it. Oh, okay. I, I know the plot. I know the plot point that you're talking about. Um, I, I have said for years, and it's not just me, this film is very, very well regarded. There's a lot of people that I have talked to and I've read online that have said, as, as you just said, for 1966, this is pretty cutting edge, you know, oh, special effects. Yeah. And I've actually read a, a few, um, a few articles slash interviews with modern special effects people and they're like you know what we really couldn't do much better than what they did oh and i'm not sure if it won any awards for the special effects or not if it didn't it should have oh it might not have even had a special effects category at that point but anyway continue but yeah it's uh, it's really really well done um the ship is reduced to one micrometer, giving the team one hour to remove the clot. After the 60 minutes have elapsed, the Proteus and its crew will begin to revert to its normal size, become vulnerable to Benis's immune system, and in the words of the novelization by Isaac Asimov, kill Benis regardless of the success of the surgery. Which the novelization, I read it a bunch of years ago, was phenomenal. I... I actually, I was not, oh no, wait, I did have that. Yeah, I did read that. I also, he also did a sequel, Fantastic Voyage 2, Microcosm. I thought it was Fantastic Voyage 2, The Brain, or something like that. I don't know. Um, Again, as, as you said, I read it years and years ago, and they, I remember they had improved the technology to where... Um, like the atoms themselves weren't shrinking; they were actually inside some sort of a field. That it basically it was it was Asimov's because you know Asimov was really famous for putting as much hard science as he well, could, sure. and um, it was his way of getting around the the square cube law, which 
that's it, it's the reason most scientists dismiss stuff like like kaiju movies and miniaturization because um, the the mass involved wouldn't like if if you're if you're talking about a kaiju or or a king kong like that the it would collapse under its own weight and the inverse would be true if you were miniaturized it would um you wouldn't be able to control your actions because you'd weigh so little it, it it's like it, okay well anyway hard science people spoil everything anyway so the crew faces many obstacles during the mission an arteriovenous fistula said it right the first time forces them to detour detour through the heart where cardiac arrest must be induced to avoid turbulence through the inner ear all outside personnel have to remain silent to prevent turbulence and i i I hated that sequence when i was a kid and i hate it now because it's just first of all the, the the sound would affect them they'd they'd hear it when they were um even before they got to the ear i would think Oh, sure. And, well, uh, that's where they had to stop and pull all of the all of the fiberglass insulation out of the uh, ports. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, you look at this thing, and for nine for nineteen sixty six, just everything is just so well done. I'll tell you something while I'm thinking about it. This is something I've seen this. You know, watching it again for for this show. I've probably seen this movie at least 20 times, probably more than that. I'm being conservative. But I noticed something this time around that was pointed out to me that I had never noticed before. Until they actually go in Bennis's body, there is no music at all in this movie. And there's only music when they show them inside. Where they're like uh, cruising along the bloodstream. Yeah. After you get that. Yeah, it's got that kind of atonal, but yeah, all the scenes showing in the operating theater and up in the control room, there's no soundtrack whatsoever, and the only time they even have any music is at, well, at the end of the movie, which, not not to jump too far ahead, but I I saw somebody point that out, and I was like, no, that can't be right. And I'm watching this thing, and I'll, I'll be damned. The first, like, 20, 30 minutes of this movie, there's no music whatsoever. Other than when they're doing the credits, there's sort of some electronic sounds over the credits. Right. And some of it's, I mean, this was, I believe, 20th Century Fox, which also has something to do with some of the Irwin Allen stuff. So some of this, the very This felt sim- very Irwin Allen to me. Um, yeah, and some of the sound effects, they must have been from the uh, 20th Century Fox. I could see that. Effect. I could see it. Like I said, the, the feel of it felt like a very high-budget Irwin Allen thing to me. So I, I could see where they're kind of coming from the same place. Uh, let's see, what other what else happens to their uh, our intrepid crew? Uh, oh, yeah, they have to replenish their supply of oxygen in the lungs. That's uh, That was a good sequence. Which the one guy gets blown... Or gets sucked way into the lungs, and then he right. ends up getting blown back. Probably the only sequence that I, again, I, I don't mean to bother the whole thing with hard science, but I felt the sequence where they're going through the heart, they had all those fibers. It it was it was there to 
to make it look challenging, but I'm just like, wait a minute, why would you have all those fibers? Blood's supposed to be going through there. It 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 just didn't make sense to me. Well, maybe they they were supposed to represent um, slight blockages of some sort. I don't know. It it's the only part that didn't look exactly realistic. They they took such care with all the other special effects. It kind of stood out to me. But well, maybe if they would have done it the other way, the whole um, it looked like they were just going through space. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can see that. So, when the surgical laser laser needed to destroy the clot is damaged, it becomes obvious there is a saboteur on the mission. Now, let me ask a question. Now, you've seen this a bunch of times. I've seen it a bunch of times. As you were watching it, did you happen to pick up some of the more subtle little clues as to that as it was going along um i tried but i honest i mean okay just so we can have this conversation we'll spoil it donald pleasance is the saboteur okay yeah but the the only thing i found that was really spoilery about is the fact that donald pleasance plays creepy he's very very good at it but he almost always plays creepy so you it if I had been what if I had been going into this cold, I don't think I would have picked up on it. Okay. Because he's actually the only he almost seems like the the one who's least likely. Well, we'll circle back around to that after we finish the plot because there were a few things that I picked up. Okay. And we'll just we can go into that. All right. Um. So they are forced to cannibalize their wireless telegraph to repair the laser. By the time they finally reach the clot, they have only six minutes remaining to operate and then exit the body. Before the mission, Grant had been briefed that Duval was the prime suspect as a potential surgical assassin. But as the mission progresses, he pieces the evidence together and instead begins to suspect Michaels. During the critical phase of the operation, Dr. Michaels knocks Owens out and takes control of the Proteus while the rest of the crew is outside for the operation. Duval successfully removes the clot with the laser, but Michaels tries to crash the sub into the clot area to kill Bennis. Grant fires the laser at the ship, causing it to veer away and crash. Michaels is trapped in the wreckage and killed when white blood cells attack and and destroy the Proteus. And I have, I have a bit of trivia about that, but we're almost done here. Grant saves Owens from the ship. They all swim desperately to one of Bennis's eyes where they escape through a tear duct seconds before returning to normal size. And See, one, one thing about and that. Scene. One of the things I don't quite, can't quite wrap my head around is, okay, if why did they have to take them back into the other room? if he knew they were going to start enlarging at that point. Right. I mean, couldn't he have just as simply just taken the thing, slowly put it on the ground instead of walking all that way, potentially dropping somebody? Well, uh, I, one of the things I do remember is that in Asimov's novelization, he may, he are, I, I guess he, and I read about this, he argued with uh, the powers that be and said, I have to mention that the sub comes out with them. Okay. Because there's there's no way the sub doesn't... Because the sub's still in there. Right. So if the sub's still in there, 
I, I don't care how you rationalize it. The sub kills him. Oh, sure. And the other thing, I mean, the laser, they just drop the laser and swim away. Fair point. Well, and there's, there's you know, a gallon or so of miniaturized uh, uh, saline well, it's more than that. That was a point I wanted to come back around to. Oh, yeah. I mean, that looked easily um, a, as much as a 50-gallon fish tank. Right. Well, okay. But to my point is yeah. that, yeah, you've got all this stuff that's miniaturized still in his body. I, You know, when I watched it when I was a kid, they kind of... They kind of wrote it off as okay. Well, it his his um, what's it called a phagocyte, I believe the the white blood cell okay. is um, is absorbing it, and that's it absorbs it before it enlarge in and uh, I'm just like okay, you're you're really doing a lot of hand waving here because that. That just doesn't make sense. I mean, honestly, you know, the other day we were, or what, what damn movie were we talking about? Oh, crap. When we were talking about cracking the world. Okay. What did we keep saying? Science didn't have a chance on this one. I mean, to a certain point it did, but you know, okay, you got, I guess you got to let some of this stuff go. Well, that's the thing with a lot of these movies that we review is, you know, you, you just have to set aside, if you, if it's a fun movie, like like Cracking the World actually had a, a lot of fun moments in it. Oh, sure, absolutely. So I was willing to, you know, hand wave quite a bit, you know, and the same for this movie. I mean, there there's there's like uh Citizen Kane's size plot holes in this thing, but you know what? It's it's there's so much care done with the rest of it. Uh Raquel Welch in a wetsuit. I mean, the the list goes on. Well, Raquel, and, I, and, and there's a story about that, too. Well, Raquel Wells in the wetsuit. Um, the part where they're in the ear. Right. And these, I don't know if they're antibodies or what they are. Um, yeah, they're antibodies. That's right. Well, they come and they start getting around her swimsuit. Yeah. So they take her into the sub and they start ripping these things off. Right. I wonder if those actors had to fight each other. Here's, here's the story. To figure out... Who got to rip them off of where? Here's the story. This is this is actually how it went down. Okay. I'm glad you're bringing this up because I this is my favorite story out of this. Well, on the you know the first take, they okay they were told okay you you guys have to rip this off of her, and every one of them considered themselves. I mean, two out of the three guys were were British. They considered themselves gentlemen, so they deliberately avoided the chest that, area. The chest area. So it basically looked like she had an antibody bikini on. <laughs> and they, the director said, okay, you're all wonderful actors. You're doing it wrong because she's, she's dead now. <laughs> okay. So they were told, look, you, you know, we understand you're trying to be gentlemen, not harass the young lady, but she's a professional actor just like you guys. And, and Raquel Welch even said, guys, we're making a movie. So the second take, they went right for the breasts, and the final cut is a you know kind of a combination of those two takes. Oh, okay. So that that's why it. The only part of that that I thought was unnecessary, they keep showing Michael's like looking at the thing crystal like two or three times. Like okay, <sighs> one one take on that would have been enough. He it's like right. the, the the girl's choking, 
Yeah. And why don't they take the mask off first? That's the part that I... I you know, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, you know, even ta- where we were talking about science and all that, apparently this whole sub was was powered by a an atom of some sort of atomic fuel. Because yeah. supposedly this atom couldn't be reduced anymore. So once the whole thing was reduced, it would fill up the fuel chamber yeah which i i i know it's all um writer's license here right but i had a really hard time wrapping my head around that well when you consider that how nuclear power works is you you don't actually take the energy from the nuclear material the nuclear material heats up water which causes steam which causes turbines to to Rotate. That's how it works. It's, it's not as if it gives off this this energy slash power that they right. ju- that the engines just magically suck up somehow. So, yeah, I I felt that might have been a slight failing of of understanding how nuclear power works and hoping that the auto- now mind you again sixty six. This is this is literally like well, we just, as, as we- the Cold War is really starting to get into its its classic era. And a lot, I think a lot of people were just ignorant, you know, those those dastardly Russians. Well, and not only that, but we're just coming out of the the phase of the atomic monsters and, you know, the radio. Yeah, well, and that. this this could definitely be seen as a, a big, big budget um, attempt by Hollywood to kind of delve into let's get into some more hard science. Um well, now I'm trying to think. Around this time, was this around the time the Andromeda Strain and that came out also? I want to say that came out a couple years later. Andromeda Strain, I feel, is 69. But if you want to jump it in, bundle bundle it into the late 60s, I think you could uh, make a case well, for that. Well, there were a number of movies along this, of this type. Yeah. Kind of like back in the 50s where you had... Um, Day the Earth Stood Still, Forbidden Planet, and dare I say it, even This Island Earth. Oh, okay, sure. You know, which is on our list for down the road. <laughs> but, um, hey, I, I still think there's a great case to be made for uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space actually being a much better movie than anyone gives it credit for. Well, that's going to be on the list, too. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, all, all told, this movie, oh, the saboteur stuff, I forgot. I was going to talk about this. Okay. There are certain things during this movie where if you're, oh, really, yeah, pay, yeah. Where, if you're really paying attention. Okay, yeah, enlighten me because this, um, this alluded me. Well, earlier in the film, right as they were, I can't remember if it was right after they got into the body or before they were being miniaturized. Yeah. Um, the saboteur, whose name, Michaels. Michaels, yeah. Michaels um, everybody else is up front kind of watching the proceedings, and Michaels says, I need to go check something in the back. And they show him coming out of the back where the laser's stored. Hmm. And think about this. How many times during the course of the film, you know, it's like, oh, this light bulb went out. We have to cancel the mission. I mean, he did that several times. Well, I know, I know he does the claustrophobia freak out like when they first go in. Well, right. Which I... I kind of felt was an obvious red herring to try and distract the viewer. Oh, it couldn't, 
you know, it, it's too obvious that it's him. But yeah, I I may have to go back and look at it one more time because now not you're saying it that way, there may be a number of key scenes where he's not actually in frame. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I may and, have to go back and look at that. And you know, the one the one member of the cast that I kind of felt the worst for was the captain. Yeah, because he, he has like less dialogue than well, anybody. Not only that, but every time they show him up in that damn bubble on top of the thing, mm-hmm. he looks like he's confused. Like, what the hell am I doing here? See, this thing swivels. Where's the cigarette lighter? <laughs> <laughs> See, that bubble on top, That I'm sure that probably made you think of Erwin Allen also. That was a big uh, like thing. Like I said, there, there was a lot of things about it that it it felt like I I'll bet you Irwin Allen looked at this thing and said, Man, so that's if I had money, that's what it would look like. If I was willing to spend money. Oh, or <laughs> Allen was, was was Don't you remember that one episode we did? Yeah, but I didn't I thought that was um the the studio budget, not his budget. Well Because Roger Corman's the one that knows how to work uh, on a budget. Yeah, well Irwin Allen, he did have his where he would uh, have big budgets. I mean, a Towering Inferno. Yeah. Which I think we talked at one point. I, I you know can never Earl, do that one again. I, can I can't find that one. Oh, really? Yeah, um, Towering. Well, it's verboten now because of because of nine eleven. Really, I I I have it over on the shelf over there. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. uh, loan you my copy. Uh, definitely, because yeah. You, you can't even speak of the Towering Inferno because 9-11 has erased it from pop culture. And that's a tragedy because I remember seeing it in, in the theater, and that's a darn good movie. Um, actually, I I got it in a TCM collection. Oh, and I'll tell really? You what, um, talk for a minute, and I'll go over and let you know what else is on there. Oh, okay. Um, one other thing that I found fascinating, I did not uh, actually know this at the time but there was a kind of a coda to the movie that was shot there are there are surviving stills from this part of the movie but it was edited out of the final uh mix if you will is what at the twist at the end well you know the whole point of trying to um get you know Bennis was the only one that had the knowledge of how to make the miniaturization uh, last more than 60 minutes. In the original screenplay, and again, this part was shot, uh, the damage caused by the blood clot and the laser and, and the whole experience basically made him forget what the formula was. So the whole mission was for nothing. Oh, I'll be, well, I'll be darned. Yeah, that was the original plot twist of the entire thing. And I, I don't know if it didn't test well or the studio uh, had second thoughts. But yeah, that was cut out of the final um, final version of it. But there are a number of stills from the production that show uh, them talking to Bennis in bed at, with this little little twist coda thing so uh i thought that was really interesting that um that's that's how it, it, it they originally intended for the whole thing to wind up i'll be darned so um anyway off the actually it, it 
this particular oh. set I was telling you about, it had Fantastic Voyage. Oh, okay, cool. Um, also, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. The Lost World. The Lost World and um, Towering Inferno. Okay. And I just got that uh, a couple of years ago. Okay, very nice. Yeah, like I said, I remember seeing the Towering Inferno in the theater uh, w- with my parents, actually. And uh, that's that was a great movie but yeah you you will not see that uh anywhere on cable because it's too soon so yeah but again it's it's a great movie it really is so all right so uh what do we want to rate this uh this bad boy oh i gotta i gotta go uh craptastic on her craptacular on this one. Oh, absolutely this is this is one of the arguably one of the best movies we've done on here if we if we have a a top five or even a top three, this is most assuredly in it. Uh, I've, I again, I've, I've seen this movie probably at least twenty times, and that's a conservative estimate. Uh, I, I remember showing it to my daughter like about three years ago, and about two thirds of the way through, she's like, "When did this come out?" I said, "1966," and she goes, "This is amazing for a, a movie that that's." Well, I mean, in, in some ways, it's amazing, even considering movies that are coming out now. I mean, it's it's all practical effects. There's no nothing else in there. The the only part where the uh, the curtain got pulled back a little bit is if you look carefully. I noticed this for the first time. Is if you look very very carefully in the quote unquote underwater sequences, like where they're uh, in the wetsuits and all that outside, uh-huh. um, you can see the wires they're on. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, it. it I had never really noticed it before. Uh, what I found funny is that they they really had a hard time maneuvering in them. So they ba- to give that underwater feel, they basically uh, shot it at twice normal speed and then played it back at regular speed. So they all look like they're in slow motion. Okay, kind of like um, kind of like what they do with the uh, giant monsters. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. So, all right, now let's wheel out the machinery here. We have, we have the, the B movie randomizer. It just showed up on my door one day. Let's give this baby a whirl and see what it has for this time. Got, oh crap, Black Scorpion. Not Black Scorpion. So anyway, next time we'll be doing the Black Scorpion. Uh, From 1957. Again, once again. You can get a hold of us at secretlayerpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. If you'd like, if you have a suggestion for a film that you'd like to be put into the old randomizer, just let us know. Um, and in the meantime, this is D-Dub. And Stratosphere. Saying go watch a B-movie. And why? Because these movies won't watch themselves. Bye, folks. Later, kids. <laughs>